0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to Craft Sanity.
1: Welcome to episode 59 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. My guest this week is Ann Landry. She's a 52-year-old woman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who started the Mother's Day Project. So what Ann is doing is she has taken the names of every woman who's been killed in the war in Iraq, and she has transferred the, the names of all these women onto swatches of fabric and mailed those out to People all across the country and some from other countries as well. Anne has people stitching the names. She's making two tote bags, and so each person, there's actually um, two projects going simultaneously because there was so much interest in the first project that she decided to start a second one. So there are duplicate names out there. I contacted Anne and wanted to get involved, so I got a letter in the mail from her back in June. I knew what was in it. I knew there was going to be a name of a fallen soldier. I went to the mailbox and just kind of sat on my front porch and looked at this letter and wondered whose name was going to be in there and who was this person. What were they like? Do do they have family? How did they die? How old were they? All these questions before I even saw the name. So I opened the envelope and printed on this piece of muslin was the name Marilyn L. Gabbard? It's kind of strange because I'd never met Marilyn, but yet I felt connected. I felt like I definitely had to find out everything I could about this person. So before I even started stitching the name, I went online and did a search and pulled up some articles on Marilyn. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before we go any further. Marilyn was the first woman promoted to the rank of command sergeant major in the Iowa Army National Guard. She was 46 from Polk City, Iowa. She was among 12 people killed when a Black Hawk helicopter crashed in Iraq on January 20th, 2007. You know, I found the picture of her that I'm going to post on the website of her, the American flag in the background. She has short hair and glasses. She's in her military uniform suddenly this thing became very real for me because now it wasn't just a name and a piece of fabric this was a person she had only been in iraq for about a month when she was killed and she was there to kind of oversee the other troops from iowa according to her family she was actually coming back from checking in on the troops she was responsible for when the black hawk went down she left behind a husband edward gabbard and she's a daughter, Melissa Danielson, and several other relatives. You know, I decided that after I spoke with Ann, and I'll play that conversation for you in just a minute, I have also contacted uh, Sherry Gabbard, who is the stepdaughter of Marilyn. So you'll hear from her as well, because I thought it was only fair to give the family a chance to say something about Marilyn and also about this project, so this was a lot heavier um, show than I normally do, but I think it's going to be interesting for you, all of you, to hear about what can be done, because a lot of us are frustrated about the war in Iraq, and Anne's project is one example of something that we can do that's proactive. So first we'll hear from Anne, and then we'll, I'll break away a little bit for a brief talk with Sherry Gabbard, and then we'll come back to Anne Landry at the end. So here we go.
0: This week I'd like to welcome Anne Landry to Craft Sanity. and thank you so much for being a guest this week. I really appreciate that. And I'm really intrigued by your project. you call it the Mother's Day Project? That's right. Okay. Obviously you're the crafty type since you're making something uh, with this project. But why don't you tell me what led you to start the Mother's Day Project and explain for those who haven't heard about it yet, explain what it is and how you started it.
2: Sure. It's easier to explain what it is rather than to explain how it all came about but okay. I can make an attempt at both the Mother's Day project is um, it's an attempt to personalize the experience of the Iraq war it occurred to me among many other thoughts that I've had in the past few years since the war began that we are so disconnected from from what is going on half a world away, Mm -hmm. even though our sons, our daughters are serving over there, being wounded over there, dying over there, that back here at home, we really have not been asked to do much of anything. And I don't count putting a, a yellow ribbon magnet on my car as doing something in terms of supporting the troops or supporting the war effort. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I've been very dismayed by the the politics surrounding the war, the reasons that we got into war. And this attempt to to personalize the experience through the Mother's Day Project worked like this. Um, I wondered at one point if it was possible to know or to find out how many women had been killed in the course of the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. And I got out my laptop one day and and did some searching on it. And literally, within seconds, I had the answer to that question. There are a number of sites that track not only the number of um, um, members of coalition forces who have died in Iraq, but also Iraqi civilians, women, children, and men serving in the Iraqi army. And so it's very easy to get this information, but what to do with it and how to take that information and make the transformation to a personal experience.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And when I looked, especially at the list of women members of the coalition forces who had died since the beginning of the war in Iraq, um, at the time I started this project, there were 79 names on that list. There are now 80, and um, with no end in sight to this war, it's certain that that list will grow longer. And what I originally thought I would do was be to take those names. I have a way of transferring names to fabric, and I was going to take them and stitch over them to make them more permanent, because the dye process can fade or wash out. And I didn't want that to happen. So my original thought was that I would transfer all 79 names and do all the stitching myself. And then it occurred to me, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could find 79 different pairs of hands to stitch these names and return them to me? And then I would put them into some kind of object that would go out into the world. I wanted something utilitarian, something simple that could go out to all the people who had volunteered to stitch names, and they would get to see this finished product. And the finished product ended up being a tote bag. And it actually hasn't become a tote bag yet. I'm still waiting as names are coming in from volunteers to put the first one together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And. As a a volunteer participating in the Mother's Day project, a person is not only agreeing to stitch the name of a female casualty from the war that I will send to them, and then they return it to me, they must also agree to write about their experience in some way, either the experience of doing research on the individual whose name they are sent to try and make that personal connection uh, or they can wait and write something later after and send them this tote bag to actually use. If it's throwing books in it and carting it around to school or groceries at the market, whatever it is, I, I hope that the people who get this bag will actually put it into use for a week or two before they send it on to someone else. And in the process of using it and having it out in public, I'm hoping that it initiates some discussion, the person who has the tote bag and who stitched the name, and, and someone else who they run into so that they can have some kind of discussion of the project and about what's going on in Iraq right now.
0: And why did you choose a tote bag?
2: I chose a tote bag um, for several reasons. One, my sewing skills are not the greatest. So I wanted something fairly simple, and I had been making some tote bags and hand bags using a variety of different techniques, crafting techniques. Mm -hmm. So that was a familiar medium for me to fall back on. But I also like the fact that it's something very common and something very utilitarian, that it's not setting aside something as a piece of art that can't be touched or handled or, or or shared between people because it's some sort of sacred object. It's not a sacred object in that way. It's sacred in other ways, but not in that hands-off way. So that's why the idea of the Toast Bag appealed to me so much.
3: And
0: when did you start the project?
2: This started about weeks before Mother's Day. Okay. And I had been, uh, I, I have a, a daily blog called ThreadingWater.com, and and um, in that blog I had been writing about a number of issues connected with women and mothers, particularly working mothers, about my own experience being a single mother many years ago, and the lack of support that mothers in general have in our culture, and our society, and and despite the lip service that is often given to all things connected with women and motherhood and children. There
0: is a lot of lip service, right? Yeah. Yeah, not much behind that in some cases, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: So those were some of the things that were on my mind at the time I was looking for another fiber arts project. I just wrapped up one large project that I'd been working on for a month or more. And I, I just got out my sketchbook one day and was sitting out in the warm sun with a glass of iced tea, and this is the kind of thing that can happen when you have sufficient time to just sit and think about
0: things. Mm-hmm. And so it just came to you to, to do this?
2: It did, and I, I went and immediately wrote a blog entry on Threading Water about the idea. It was picked up by uh, a number of other bloggers most notably by Franklin Habit of Panopticon, which many knitters know of Franklin. Is he the guy
0: in Chicago?
2: Yes. So he was really instrumental because of the size of his audience in jump-starting this whole project. And from there, it's been picked up by other blogs. A number of bloggers have volunteered to participate in this project. They, in turn, are writing about their experiences on their blogs as they finish Stitching the names and returning them to me, and so in that way, this has continued to grow. I am very close to um, getting enough volunteers to complete the stitching of names for a second bag. The um, the first one, that uh, thanks to Franklin and other bloggers, uh, I had sufficient volunteers after less than two days. Wow! And. Um, and now I am just finishing up on um, the, um, the second bag. There's room for a few more people, but not, not many more.
0: And are you going to do a third bag, you think?
2: I haven't decided. I've not decided yet. I, I will do something. It may not be a bag, I may not do three bags. But I, if the interest continues to come in, I, I just don't feel that there's any way I can cut this off and say that's the end. Mm-hmm. I will continue to do something
0: so would people continue to be doing stitching kind of like probably yeah okay yeah i thought it was really interesting if you can explain the process you use to get the name onto the fabric
2: it's really very simple all you need is and i've been doing this because i'm um i'm also a poet and i have been looking for ways to transfer some of my poems to fabric and then to be able to manipulate them on the fabric and incorporate them into fiber arts projects. Oh, how cool. And and it's, it's a very simple photo copy transfer process where um, you, you just get special paper it costs. It's not inexpensive, um, but places like Joanne's or Michael's, they have these paper transfers. And you transfer transfer from your computer to the to your printer. All you need is the capability to set your printer on a um, transparent, not a transparency. Is to reverse the lettering.
0: Oh, the text. The text. Okay.
2: Otherwise, it'll it will be backwards on your piece of fabric. Okay, when you, and that won't be you iron it on. Okay. But it comes out of your printer. You. You transfer it with a hot iron. And the advantage to using this, as people are finding out when they're stitching over the names, is that it leaves a a little bit of sizing residue that helps to stabilize the fabric immediately around the letters. And that makes it easier to, to stitch through with embroidery floss or with thread.
0: I did notice that, that there was stability that wouldn't have been there without the transfer. Right. Yeah, and it looks like kind of like a piece of tape had been stuck on there with the name, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. So, so it was pretty simple to do.
2: Right. It, it actually comes out on a full sheet of paper, and then I cut them down.
0: And then just iron them.
2: So it just looks like a piece of tape, but it's, it's not really tape. And then when it's laundered, that residue washes
0: out. Oh, it goes away? Yes. Okay, so would the text wash off if you didn't have...
2: Eventually, not right away, but it does fade.
0: So this is something that you'd already use this process for other works that you've done. And would you say that poetry is your main thing, or do you describe yourself as a fiber artist?
2: I don't describe myself as any kind of artist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're in my I... camp, where I am kind of hesitant to put that kind of lofty label on myself. <laughs> yeah.
2: But... but uh... Yes, I, I yes. Poetry and writing is my is my first love. And what do
0: you do for a living?
2: I work in the insurance industry. Okay. It's about as far away as you can get from art and, and poetry. poetry. <laughs> <laughs> well but I, I have a wonderful position a position of educating people about insurance. Okay. Not not selling anything. Um, I work with nonprofit organizations, and I do consumer education and outreach work.
0: Okay, so you're, and you're probably getting to meet a lot of people, which probably keeps things very interesting for you. Yes, it is. Well, getting back to your project, what kind of response have you received? Obviously, you've gotten a lot of response from people who are interested in, in contributing. I know I right away was like, oh, I want to be a part of this, and thankfully I got in under the. You know, I, I made it to the second bag. <laughs> yes, you <know>? did. <laughs> But what kind of response are you getting from people maybe that are hearing about it, maybe they're not working on the project with you, but they're just interested in, I mean, what has the general public said to you?
2: Most people have been very positive about this and think it's a wonderful idea. They have jumped at the opportunity to participate like you did because of a general feeling of frustration not knowing, knowing this isn't right, to be hiding or to be so disconnected from from what is going on and, and to have so few families be bearing the, the brunt of the military experience and others of us not having, we don't come in contact with Serving in the military at all. And and so people have been very frustrated and aware of this, but not knowing if there was anything they could do about it.
4: Mm-hmm. It
2: seems so distant from our day to day lives. And and so they've welcomed this opportunity. The biggest surprise to me in terms of people's responses have been the outpouring of no messages and journals and blog entries that are occurring just during this first stage of the process, Mm -hmm. just the stitching of names and doing the research. I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting to get this written record from people until after they had the bag, the finished bag, and had used it for a while. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I, I envisioned that as being the point at which interactions would occur, and, and people would be writing down their impressions of the project. But instead, it's happening immediately, it seems. As soon as people receive the name in the mail, as soon as they start doing a little bit of research, uh, they're, they're writing the most moving, beautiful letters and, and comments about the experience that you could imagine.
0: Well, I know that for me, I think my envelope arrived yesterday, I want to say, and, you know, I kind of, I got it out of the mailbox, and I saw your name on it, so I knew what it was right away, and you know, I sat on the front porch, and I opened it, and pulled out the fabric, and unfolded it, and saw the name, and, you know, I just kind of, you know, it's kind of like, it kind of hits you a little bit, because it was, I mean, I, I'm a journalist myself, so, you know, I've you know, actually gone to military funerals and, you know, I've I've been, um, you know, I I follow this in the news and, you know, I listen to NPR as well and they have the stories on there. I mean, I can't even, I've lost count of how many times I've been crying on my way to work in the morning when you hear the stories or they interview people who are, you know, relatives and friends of these servicemen and women who have died and it hits me and in a very personal way even though I don't know anyone actually I take that back I actually do know someone I met someone in January that I that is over serving there right now and but I don't have any uh, family members that are serving but for me though it's something that you know you see the name and immediately you have questions like who was she you know did she have kids you know does she who'd she leave behind all these things kind of flood over you and it's, it just is this one, one, it's a very personal connection, even though this person's a total stranger. Right. And that could be why people are feeling moved to write something right away, because, you know, once you start stitching a person's name, you're connected in a way that is kind of hard to explain. And then, you know, you do the research, and you know, and I found out that, you know, she's 46, or she was 46, and from Polk City, Iowa, and you know, I looked up, you know, the branch of service, and she, you know, and it's just like, you, the more you find out, you know, you know, it was actually a um, UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter went down on January 20th, and she died with, I think there were 12 people total killed in this crash, and the, then you find this list of other names, you know, and it's, right. the magnitude of this is um, unbelievable, and it, we do, I mean, I, I can understand, you know, what led you to this, because it does seem wrong in many ways to just go about our life and you know go to the movies and go to the beach and do all these things and we're just very detached you know because there are a lot of people who don't like to hear those stories on npr of course i don't like to hear them but i feel like i really should listen to them you know the stories about the people who have died because their lives matter and you know so and that's what led me to get involved with your project because i just thought well this really should be personal we should be personally concerned about what's going on and you know regardless if you take I mean I know it's hard to take the politics out of war because that's kind of what led us into this but you know it's we're in it now you know and you know to debate whether or not we should be there or whatever is kind of irrelevant at this point because we're in it and we're losing people every day and so I applaud you for just kind of you know starting this thing and and getting people to just kind of wake up a little bit about what's going on over there and to personally engage themselves, and if all they do is stitch a name and do some research I, that's better than you know not paying attention to what's going on overseas so
2: I think you're right, and I know I, I'm sure of this that once you've made a connection with one of those names and made it personal, there's absolutely no way you can look at those Statistics that are in our newspaper every day in the same way again. No,
0: you can't. You really can't. Because every
2: one of those names you know now is associated with a mother, a father, brothers, sisters, wives, children, uncles, aunts, friends, lovers. Every single name. Mm
4: -hmm. And right
2: now there are over 3,500 names on that list. And that is only u s casualties
0: yeah that's really it, the, the staggering numbers, and I know I looked at the there's a military the military times website and they have photos it's like a never ending list it seems of people who have died and these photos of them, so you're right away see some of these people i mean some of these their kids you know they look like they're barely out of high school and you know they they're are dead yeah, I mean it's they terrible are. I mean it's just you look at these young men and women, and it's um it does it hits you in a way that, you know, it becomes very personal very quickly. And do you have any connections yourself to the war? Do you know anyone over there?
2: No, no, I do not.
0: Are you finding that the people that are contacting you to get involved, are you hearing that some of them have connections, or they just feel like they're compelled to, to do something?
2: I do hear from a number of people who have connections with the military. They are either retired military themselves, Mm-hmm. or they have a spouse who is serving over there right now, um, or they they know of other friends and family members. Some stitchers have written to me and told me that they have a long family involvement in the Iraq War with multiple members of the family serving over there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yes, this is attracting not only... People like myself who are frustrated and and just want to do something um, that we feel is necessary to bring attention to what's going on over there, but people who actually have a stake, a real-life stake, in, in terms of knowing someone who is serving there, or they serve there themselves.
0: And so you're going to, once you get the names back, you're going to assemble these two bags and then ship them out to the people who stitch names and they'll take them around and what are you hoping that happens when people see these bags
2: in my grandest dreams i'm hoping that all of these stitchers can stop the war in iraq
0: yeah wouldn't that be great
2: (laughs) of course that's not realistic but um, on a different level and more to your question what i'm hoping is that it simply serves to raise awareness of what it is that's happening and for those of us who have no personal connection who don't know anyone personally who's serving over in Iraq or who has served over there that it will make us more aware of the real price of war mm-hmm. and that these statistics that we see every day hopefully we see them every day although Our government does a good job of keeping that information from us as well. They want to make sure that we're happy and spending money and shopping and and carrying on as though nothing is different in our lives. I want people to stop and say something is different and to ask themselves what they're going to do about it.
0: And I think this is different than a lot of, Previous wars, and I, I was born in 1976, so I don't have any firsthand knowledge of the Vietnam um, experience. But I know that it seems that the, you know the country. We seem to be kind of going about our business because wars become very high tech. I know when we went into Iraq, even with um, the first time we were there, and uh, you know with Desert Storm, it was—it seemed like it was this. Oh, it was over fairly quickly, and then you know, President Bush declared a victory in Iraq uh, in this latest round fairly quickly, not as quickly. And then people kind of like, oh, OK, you know, and people go back to their right, normal right. life because there's this heightened awareness initially where people are like, yeah, we're at war. But it just seems like now people, for the most part, seem to be rather complacent about it. And, you know, it's really it it's just seems it seems really, I, I guess, wrong to me in so many ways, you know, to just be, you know, slap a magnet on the back of your car and drive around and and that's it, you know, um, or not even do that, you know, just kind of go about your business. So, And it's I think projects like this make people think about things differently because, you know, if you're in the store and you're out shopping and someone says, oh, who are the names on your bag? Um, It's going to be a bit jarring for the the person who asks the question, I think, to say, well, you know, these are um, the names of 80 women who've been killed in combat in Iraq. I mean, because you don't expect that at the grocery store, you know, or the bookstore. No, you don't. But it is certainly one heck of a way to, you know, to going kind to of get the word out and also unify people who are feeling um, like they have to do something, you know. Um, That's right. So it's a wonderful tribute to these people. What, what do you think? I mean, have you heard from any family members, any of the any survivors of the, the women who are on uh, whose names you're you're having people stitch?
2: Yes, a few, just a few. As uh, I expect more as the project continues to grow and word spreads through the blogosphere and mm-hmm. the internet. But the ones, the family members I've heard from so far have been grateful, they've been appreciative, and they've been very supportive of this effort. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the people that I've heard from is uh, a stepdaughter of the name that was sent to you.
1: Okay, now I'm going to interrupt the interview briefly here to let you hear from Sherry Gabbard, Marilyn's stepdaughter, because I want you to hear what she told me about Marilyn. What she thinks about the Mother's Day Project. You can just
3: tell me how you're related to Marilyn. Marilyn was married to my dad. So they've been married a long time? Um, yeah, they've been married 17 years, but they've been together probably 20
4: or more. Okay. So I've known her a long time.
3: Yeah, and so it sounds like she came into your life when you were about how old then? Um, about 20. Okay. 25 maybe. Yeah,
4: somewhere around there. She actually is just about nine months older than I am. So. You know, it sounds funny to say stepmother. I mean, that's really what she was, but really very good friends.
3: Okay, so you had an interesting relationship then as being, you know, um, maybe more like, almost like sisters, would you say, in a way? Yeah, Yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. Didn't think of her as a mom, of course, because my mom is still alive, but
4: um, just really, really good friends. And she and my dad were, you know, just really very much in love, and they were just a great couple together, so that always helps make the friendship better
3: yeah well that's and i and i'm sorry again you know to you know i express you know i want to express my condolences to your family for your loss because um, thank you i didn't know marilyn i got to know her only when this swatch of muslin came in my mailbox with her name on it and i uh got out some i think it looks like i used some turquoise uh embroidery floss and stitched her name and now I feel connected to her which it seems really t- ridiculous for me to say that but um, it's it's kind of funny that you would pick turquoise because blue is really what's her favorite color really so you
4: kind of got something in that scheme which well, is nice
3: yeah well that's interesting why don't you tell me a little bit about Marilyn uh, how long was she in the National Guard she was in there for um, 28 years she went in right after high school
4: and uh, worked her way up. She was uh, the first command sergeant major in the state of Iowa, so qu- quite an accomplishment there. For, um, she was
3: the first female command sergeant. Correct,
4: the okay, first female yeah. command sergeant major. Yep.
3: And um, she was she was 46, so she rose through the ranks. I mean, that right. She, she worked, worked really quickly, hard yeah. and,
4: and was very dedicated, and um, you know, takes her her took her job very seriously. And at the time that that she was in Iraq, her job was of course to take care of other soldiers. So you know it's very important to her that it, that they were treated well and and that they had everything that they needed
3: mm-hmm.
4: and and she how
3: long has she been over there
4: uh less than a month actually she got there like the 24th of of uh december and was killed on the 20th of january so oh, my
3: goodness
4: yeah her she was supposed to be there about six months so actually this last month has been really hard because she would have been home by now and Oh. So, of course, we've been missing her a little bit more than, than we might have been yeah. up to that point, just knowing that we had plans for when she got home. So, um, and hadn't it, been there, but but had said that, you know, she really uh, was glad to be there, that she was um, had made a difference already in, in how things were going for the soldiers. And um, she hated I- Iraq, the country itself, just didn't like the weather and that kind of stuff, but really felt like she was making a difference for the soldiers, and that's why. Uh, she thought she needed to go so
3: yeah and she had not been over there before this was her first no tour. no no this was her first for tr- her first trip
4: over there absolutely yeah. yeah
3: yeah and so she and i understand that she was in a helicopter crash correct do you know what she was doing like what they were attempting to do when when they, they were- had gone to inspect
4: um some troops from iowa as a matter of fact
3: oh okay so she, had, she was coming back to her she base was with- going back to post right oh okay
4: Okay. Yeah.
3: I imagine that this is just tremendously hard, but does it make it any easier when you know that the person over there like she really this meant a lot to her and she was very committed to this? I mean, does that ease the pain at all? I mean, um yes and no. I mean, it, it, we know that she was doing what she
4: loved and and so in that respect, you, you know, it's it's not uh as hard, I guess. It, it's hard to say that. But, yeah, we know she was doing what she loved, and we really felt like she was, you know, she felt like she was making a difference there, so that's very important. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she just was doing her job, and can't ask for more than that. She was very committed to her career and was doing everything that she could to make sure that others could accomplish what they needed to do while they were there and hopefully, you know, be safe. Mm
3: -hmm. We talked about her as a soldier, but... But what was she like as a person? Like, what did she do when she wasn't working? And when she Oh, was- she loved gardening.
4: Um, she had two young grandchildren, two little boys that actually just turned two and four. Loved to spend time with them. She and my dad did a lot of running and biking, and she loved to cook. She was a great cook.
3: Oh, yeah? What kind of stuff did she cook?
4: Um, You know,
3: whatever. <laughs> yeah, just whatever, yeah.
4: Just, you know, gr- she made a really good breakfast whenever we'd go down, we'd stay and Breakfast was always good. We liked spicy food. Marilyn and I both really liked nachos and chips and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we'd eat different than everybody else because we liked it hotter. But, um, <laughs> just you know, she did salad, and she cooked for big groups because she, when she started in the military, she, she worked in the kitchen. So she had lots of good recipes for, you know, big groups, which is good because there are seven of us children, and then by the time you get grandkids and stuff in there, we had a good group of over 30, usually whenever we got together as a family. So she could cook for big groups mm-hmm. she liked to experiment always liked to try new
3: recipes it sounds like she was a sporty woman and uh like yes gardening yes. did she do any crafts or anything like that um you know i i don't know that she sat still long enough
4: to do you know like the needle point and things like that she appreciated things like that um my dad's mom always was crocheting beautiful you know doilies and things like that and marilyn always appreciated things like that but I think maybe that was for when she got older, sort of a goal in the future sort of thing, maybe. But
3: yeah.
4: um, she was just busy being outside.
3: Yeah. And, and as far as her personality goes, I mean, how would you describe her?
4: Uh, just warm and, and open and fun, um, just really caring. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that met her that didn't like her, you know, automatically. She just, and you know, when somebody did something wrong, she could very politely and you know, point that out without being overbearing or rude or anything like that. That's just, a
3: special gift. <laughs>
4: yeah, she yeah. really, she did. She yeah. had a way about her that you knew that uh, you'd done something that was probably not very kosher, and and uh, you didn't go away feeling too bad from the reprimand, if there was one. And yeah, but mostly just fun, lots of fun. She was um competitive in a in a good way. um We always got together as a family every Fourth of July because my brother and sister and I are triplets, and that's our birthday. And so we always had volleyball games, guys against gals. And we women were very competitive and fierce. We never won, of course, but we tried like heck.
3: <laughs>
4: so um, that'll leave a big hole.
3: Well, what did, what did she ever, ta- I don't know if she ever talked about um, being a, a woman uh, in the military. I mean, what, what was that experience like for her? I mean, what did she say about that? Um, you know, she just always talked about being a soldier.
4: She didn't really differentiate between male and female. Um, uh, she was very proud of the fact that she was, like I said, the first command sergeant major in the state of Iowa um, and really had plans to be, you know, move up as high as she could. She'd have liked to have been the state command sergeant major at, or, you know, in, in charge of things like that. But um, just really thought of herself as a soldier, not male or female at all. Well, didn't really talk about things in in regard to you know she was a woman in the military. Just yeah. she was a soldier.
3: Well, you know, and I think that that's that's good because I think that that says something about the culture that it 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 sounds like it's changed quite a bit. You know, if women yeah. are ra- rising to the high ranks and um, they they're, they're not, it's not as much of an issue that they're a woman. You know, so yeah. 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 And
4: I, I don't know that it's not an issue. I mean it it probably isn't as much as it used to be, but it just wasn't an issue for Marilyn. She yeah. never talked about it in regard to
3: that. Yeah, well it sounds like she it, she um had a lot of um you know, uh Hutzpah where she was yes. gonna she could get in there yeah. and do her thing and yep. that's that's great to hear. That's Very inspiring. focused
4: and you know, she had goals and didn't matter that she was a female and nobody had been there before. That's what she wanted, so that's what she did.
3: Yeah, and what what do you think about the the Mother's Day project that Ann started, uh, you know, to kind of pay tribute to the women that we've lost over there?
4: I I think it's very thoughtful. I think it's really nice. I think the women would like to have been appreciated um, and remembered, as I suppose the men do too, but you know women are the ones that really are more emotional and so and I think sometimes they do get tend to get swept under the rug because there aren't as many of them over there mm-hmm. as as the men but um I think it's a real nice it's a real nice project. I know that the family's gotten several quilts and some things like that, and it's just nice to know that that somebody else is is thinking about those who have given their lives and you know it helps ease it just a little bit and I would hope that it would make other people aware that that there's loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just maybe think, you know, nice things.
3: You know, this war in Iraq is unlike many in our nation's history because, you know, during World War One and World War Two, I mean, Americans were and I'm definitely not speaking from a point of first hand knowledge, I was not alive during those right. wars. So people are thinking yeah. Jennifer what are you talking about? Yeah, I yeah. admit ignorance here. Um, I, all, all I know is from the history books, but one of the things that's different about what's going on right now is that we're, we haven't really been asked to, like, ration anything. We haven't been asked to cut back on fuel. We haven't been asked to make any kind of sacrifice that would really make us think daily about this war. I mean, sure, it, right. it's the headlines in the newspapers, yeah. but, but I think people really can get through a day almost avoiding, I mean, and forgetting the fact that we're, we're in a war. and Yeah, and until something... you hear the news at night and they talk about more casualties. Yeah. Really, yeah. It doesn't affect you a lot here, which
4: uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I yeah. just know that that's, you know, kind of the way it is. Um, I think if you have somebody that's in the service, then you think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but if you don't have somebody there, then you're right. There are probably people who don't care. And there are probably a lot of people who say, well, you know, that's what they get for being there. And I don't well, think yeah, and the are really there because they want to be there.
3: They're right. There because that's their job. Right. Right. Um, you know. And you mentioned um, when we talked earlier, you mentioned that um, you know you've kind of doing Google searches for Marilyn's name. You've you, or, right. You've you've read some things, not necessarily about Marilyn, but just about women in, in the war and and things that I mean I don't know if you want to talk at all about just some of the things you've seen and the impact it's had on you because I think sometimes people post rather ignorantly on their blogs and don't realize that there, people right. might well, read that. The,
4: the few instances of things that i would seen were, were specifically, um, you know, I, I was looking specifically for things about Maryland, whether it was news articles or whatever, and then people had gone ahead, and, and they're certainly entitled to their opinion, but that's not the place to post it. Now, what, know, what
3: was uh, posted? I mean, you don't have to say exactly, but what was the gist of oh, Things like, you know, women had no business being over there, or none of us oh, have geez. any business
4: being over there, and, you know, that may be very well true, but, but at the time when they're, they're listing that this person, or these persons, because there were 12 of them in the helicopter that Marilyn was in, um, you know, now it's not the time, that's not the place to, to post. If you wanna post something about the fact that you are not into the war, by all means, give yourself a page and do that, but mm-hmm. don't, put that in places where other people are offering condolences, that's just, you know, very hurtful. It's hard yeah. enough to read. Well, you have these people that type things in and, and, you know, they're just bending and they're really upset and, right. you know, we're upset and as well. I mean, our choice wouldn't have been for Maryland to have been killed or anyone not. over there right. by any means. but And I'm not saying that people don't have the right to their opinion. They certainly do. But I think they could choose a better venue in which to you know make that known yeah and i and know like at Marilyn's funeral there were people that tried to do an anti-war protesting and i thought you know not, now's not the place it's not right. the time it's not the place we right. would maybe think the same as you at this point because you know we've lost a loved one but um be respectful these people were doing what what they felt was their job and whether you agree with it or not you know be respectful
3: yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I'm hoping that this project helps to kind of reinforce that no matter what a person's personal belief about the war and whether we should have gone or not, it's kind of irrelevant at this point because we're, we're in it. We're in right. it and we're losing people every day. And we exactly. have to support the, the people there and we have to support the families because right. if you take the politics out of this, I mean, these are people with families and loved ones and exactly. they, they matter a great yeah. deal. and. Yeah. Just because, you know, you hear the name on the news and it doesn't resonate with you, you don't know this person, you know, it's, it's, I just, I'm really appreciative of, you know, the, the sacrifices that the families make. Because I think a lot of times people don't really think about that either. They think, oh, so and so made a personal choice to go to war, but because it was their job and it's a profession they chose, you know. Right. Um, however, behind each person there, there's countless people right. back here. That are worried about them, or maybe grieving, or I mean, it's just yes. so important. I hope that it gets
4: people thinking and realizes that you know, it's been seven months since Marilyn's been killed, but that doesn't really make it any easier. Every day you get up and realize that it's another day she's not here, and yeah. there's another thing she's not going to to get to see her grandchildren, never going to get to know her, and, you know, those kinds of things, and, uh, and I just think, we lost Marilyn, and then a week later, we lost my dad's mom, but, you know, Grandma's death was a little bit easier to take, just because she was older, and she'd had a life, and mm-hmm. she'd been sick for a while, so we yeah. kind of expected that. With Marilyn's. as silly as it sounds, we never really expected that she wouldn't come home, and so every day, it's like, oh gosh, that's right, she's not coming back, and it's just kind of a fresh wound every day.
3: Yeah.
4: Talk to other family members of people that lost, like, a son in 2005 and said, so, you know, it doesn't get easier, just different. Yeah. So um, for a lot of people, it's just, oh, gosh, we heard that on the news and, and, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but it's really not over for any of the families of anyone who's lost anyone or anyone who has somebody over there. It's, it's very fresh in their minds every day, all the
3: time. Well, and I think it's really important for people to, to realize that, too. For a lot of people, it's until it hits you personally, it's, right. it's something that a lot of people don't quite understand. And so I, I really thank you for taking the time to tell us about Maryland and to, you know, kind of share your experience, even though I know it's been very painful for you. Yeah. Um, Well, thank
4: you. We appreciate, you know, I I can't speak for all the families, but I would guess that they all appreciate efforts like the, the project. You know, you didn't know Marilyn, but yet you took the time. To, to work on this project and to maybe help, you know, make her be remembered. And so um, thank you. Please well, I know. I'm not going to
3: forget her. And I didn't meet It sounds ridiculous because, I, you know, I didn't meet her, but I I definitely feel connected, you know, to her. And I so appreciate you know, her contributions as an American. I mean, she was there trying to look out for other soldiers, exactly. you know, and that's an important mission. Right. And um, so I, and again, I, you know, I'm I'm so sorry your family has had to go through this. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. My uncle died in Vietnam, and this was before I was even alive, so I didn't know or understand anything about it. It's just a family story. But I know, and just hearing her tell the story and talk about her son, the pain doesn't, I mean, it's just something that's there forever, you know, and, and so that's given me kind of a a different perspective on, you know, war. Right. uh, And if I could.
4: it's definitely different when you have somebody that's that's not returning. Yeah. And those, I have a nephew that actually was in both Afghanistan and Iraq and um, you know, to say that it didn't affect him either, it will for the rest of his life. it oh, will yeah. always be different. And so, um, not only are you affected if you have someone that was, was killed, but also someone that's just survived it because it's not a it's not a great experience for those guys over there. No, and of by guys not. I just mean the service personnel, not yeah. necessarily just the men but Um, you know, so there's, it'll be something that affects, you know, at some point, everybody's probably going to be affected at some point, because you're going to know somebody that's been there, and it's, it's, it's just really difficult, it's very sad that, um, Anybody has to go through it. So. Yeah,
3: I wish we could figure out a better way to resolve issues. I really do. Because yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I keep saying, and this is just me, I'm a total Fruit Loop who likes crafts and art, but I keep thinking, you know, if we got a lot of women together and, like, sat around and, like, chatted and made things, perhaps we could solve some issues, you know, share some craft yeah. supplies or something. And it sounds so trivial and ridiculous, but I just think that, I mean, I would love to see something like that rather than blowing things up, and you know, yeah, um, exactly. You know, cause it just seems yeah. so senseless, and when we lose good people, you know. Well, and, um, and you know, it, it's just
4: I, I don't know what for, um, you know. And I don't say that just because Merrillman's gone, and and I don't, you know. I just I don't understand, and I guess maybe it's not for us to understand, but. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine living over there and, you know, just imagine the poor civilians that live there. Oh, that
3: has just, to be an absolute nightmare. I mean, because I can't imagine, like, I mean, think about where you're in Iowa and I'm in Michigan and I'm yeah. not I'm not worried about a mortar hitting my house tonight, right. you know what I mean? Exactly. And I can't even yeah. believe, I, I don't even know what that would be like, I mean, because I have two little children and I, I, I really, f- I feel for the civilians. When you take, I mean, the language barrier out of it and the religious differences, I mean, we're all people. You know, we exactly. live and we breathe and we bleed, you know, I mean, that's yep. just like... Yeah. Um, and I just wish there was some way to bring peace to all these people because I think we all deserve peace you know Absolutely. i don 't and yeah. um, so, uh so until I come up with a better plan i 'm going to continue to participate in projects like to the do the ones, art thing, yeah, yeah, the art thing As you and know. Just, it, it can't hurt, and anything yeah. you make things, you know, a
4: little more beautiful, a little more colorful, a little more happy, it can't hurt.
3: Yeah, well, it's kind of just a way of kind of getting out your stress, you know, because it you feel like everything's out of control, and I know after 9-11, it seemed like a lot of people, like the arts really, you know, arts and crafts really took off once again in, in, uh-huh. in the States, because I think...
4: Yeah, it's a good way to express yourself, or it's a legitimate way to do that without you know, being too, I don't know, guys might say too feminine or whatever, but
3: yeah.
4: um, it's just a really good way to express yourself, and sometimes that's the only way. When words don't work, you know, visuals are a great, you know, a great tool, so yeah. I just think, you know, the whole idea behind that, it's wonderful, and well, uh, I give all of the people that are involved with it, you know, a big thank you and a lot of credit, because it's, it's, um, it's really nice that you would do that. Well,
3: thank you so much for sharing your story and taking the time to speak with this this woman that called your family out of the blue um, from <laughs> Michigan. I really appreciate that. Thank you. We appreciate your efforts,
4: too. It was very thoughtful that you guys would do that.
3: Well, thank you. And, again, I can't take the credit for any of this. I mean, Ann, oh, you know, this um, right. creative woman in Milwaukee is really who got this started. And um, she, I, I commend her because I think it's really a cool project that she's doing. And so thanks again. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so and much. I'm so sorry,
1: again, you know, for what thank you guys you. had to
3: go through. But we do appreciate the contributions of folks like Marilyn. So yeah, thank you so much. We do appreciate
1: it. Okay, now I'm going to return to my conversation with Ann Landry.
2: There were a lot of issues after I came up with the original idea that I was not prepared for. I hadn't thought ahead. And one of those issues was, is it okay? People were asking and writing me, you know, is it okay for me to contact so-and-so's family, to try and make some attempts to contact the family. And I was getting so many of those kinds of inquiries that I I did write a a blog entry about it as, as a bit of guidance, just to let people know that, you know, that is not part of the project.
0: Of course not.
2: But if you feel so compelled to do that as a human being reaching out to other human beings to express condolences... I see nothing wrong with that at all, but I I also felt it was necessary to warn people that the families may not wish to be contacted. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, people have, in my experience as a reporter, I have to say that most of the time people do want to say something, but a lot of times, though, I mean, you know, you you, you can never predict how a person is going to react. I can never predict how I would react in a scenario like that. None of us know until you're in it. Right, And it's important to remember that for sure. The thing that I always would guide me as a reporter is that I recognize that this is their story and they own it, you know. And for me, um, I always felt, and probably to my editor's dismay, that the most important thing here is their healing process and their ability to go on as human beings and survive because that's what you have to do. When you lose somebody, you have to figure out what the new normal is and how to get by and get through life without that person and that's more important that person's healing and their feelings are much more important than you know whether or not i have a quote from them in my story and obviously there are some journalists out there who might not be thinking that same way but i just would like to try to leave people better than i find them if it's possible and not just get the quote and get off the phone and and you know, slap my neighbor five saying, hey, yeah, I got the golden quote for my story. That's just not my style at all. So, yeah, I think as long as people are respectful and remember that this is optional on the part of the the family, they're dealing with a horrible, tremendous loss. And, you know, none of us can understand that if we're not in their shoes. So, you know. So how has this project changed your life? I mean, because this is something that, I mean, this is really taken off. And it sounds like you probably didn't expect to be making two tote bags. <laughs> no. <you know>? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, um, I think I, I wrote in one of my blog entries that, that um, I feel at this point as though the project chose me, not mm-hmm. the other way around. And I am now carrying out the bidding of, of the, the project. And will continue to do this as long as there is a response, mm-hmm. like the kind of response that I've been getting ever since it started about five or six weeks ago. So it's changed my life in terms of the amount of time I'm spending on it. There's a lot of bookkeeping involved. I've got spreadsheets. So um, at, at first, I thought. I promised people that when they returned the names, I would let them know that I had received it after you know, putting so much time and effort into something, I, I knew people would want to know it had safely arrived mm-hmm. and was in my hands again. Um, but when these names started coming back with so much attached to them and, um, in terms of uh, pieces of writing, um, journaling, extra stitching that people had done research that people had done and they wanted to tell me more about what they had learned about their name I realized that a simple form letter email response your name has arrived safely uh, see you later was not going to work and and so I, I just feel compelled to respond in a like way to to every of information that's coming back to me from people who are participating, and if, and that's taking time. Wow. Yeah. And I don't, but I don't, I, I I don't mind that. I would I would say, I would say that the thing that has has changed me about the project is one thing I was not expecting, and that is that we don't have a draft in this country, and for that reason. You know, you, one has to keep in mind that everyone who's over there volunteered to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when they when they they joined the National Guard or, or some other local unit, uh, there was no war going on, and it didn't appear as though they would actually be serving in the Middle East, but that has now changed, and, and that's always the risk that you take when you make that decision. Mm-hmm. And so it's been the most difficult thing for me is to try to understand what leads a person to volunteer for military service. It's something that never would have occurred to me, and so I, in, in order to connect with these names, and to make them real people, it's also necessary to take that leap and think about what it means to, to volunteer for military service today, and why do people do it, and, and how do I feel about that? And that has been the most unexpected part of this. And and for me, that is what really gets at the issue of supporting our troops. It's, Making that personal connection, not just learning about the person and if they were married, had children, how old they were, all those things are important and bring the person to life for us, but to actually try and uh, connect with the commitment, the patriotism, the courage that those people exhibited in their lives and in their volunteering for military service. And I have become, in this process, in this very short period of time, much more understanding, I hope, and much more appreciative of what it is that everyone in the military is is doing.
0: Because mm-hmm. yeah, the folks that are over there, yeah, yeah, it's just a great deal of sacrifice for not only the soldier but their family. Absolutely. I mean, it's really I mean, got to be extremely hard to be home and have someone over there. That's really gotta be yeah, I can't really imagine what that'd be like. And um, so it's it sounds like it's it's changed you to get you to you know think about something you might not have really thought as carefully about before. And it's also connected you with so many people too. You're, oh it has, yes. So what has that been like to be have these dialogues with people, even if it's just by email?
2: It's um it's made me feel a lot less alone uh, in in terms of my frustration and anger about about the Iraq War and the current administration. It helped me to connect to a, a, a real community of individuals who have been supportive of this effort from the very beginning, who understand what it is that I'm trying to do and they are trying to do through their involvement in the project. And that has made me feel um, like there really, there really is a community out there. It, it's one thing to read statistics in the newspaper about um, you know, the current president's popularity rating and whether or not the majority of Americans agree that we're on the right path in this war. That's one thing, but when you actually start to connect with the people who are part of that statistical base, it's very satisfying.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so you're essentially, you've you've accomplished really what you've set out to do already, it sounds like, because you are... I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yeah, because you've raised awareness. Right. You know, and you're getting people, even just people who read your blog, they might not be stitching... You're you're getting people to to think about the war in a different way, and and I think that's good. You know, no matter what people think about the war personally, you know, I think it's just good to think about it. You know, instead of be playing that's video right. games and going about your day like it's not going on, because it's, we need to think about it. We need to be aware. Think of about it.
2: it. Keep it in mind. Yeah. Don't, you know, we we tend to numb ourselves up by sitting in front of the television set or going to the mall or or just pretending that our lives can go on as they always have, and there's a large part of the world that is disintegrating as we speak, mm-hmm. and there are going to be repercussions, and we have to start thinking about those repercussions and thinking about what's going on in the world every day. We can no longer afford to just avert Our eyes, we can't.
0: You're right. I mean, I think that one of the things I've noticed when I when I speak with people who are whether they're visiting the states or they um, move here, you know, immigrate to this country, one of the most striking differences I notice right away is that people that come here from other countries seem to be so much more aware on a global scale of like what's going on. You know, they're they just you know pay attention where. Uh, many Americans, I mean, Jay Leno doesn't have to work that hard to find, you know, idiots on the street. He has a segment (laughs) called Jaywalking, you know, that I've watched. And you just kind of like shake your head and think, where is he finding these people? And they're all over, you know,
3: I mean, people
0: who have no idea, you know, not only our capital city, but they have no idea like where we're fighting the, uh, you know, the war. And I mean, it's just, it's really pathetic. And um, so I think it is just a country. I mean, it's definitely serves us well to just be, paying attention, you know, to what's going on, because we've already had issues where we've been, I mean, September 11th, I mean, we were hit, and, you know, people paid attention, but I I almost feel like people aren't paying attention again. It's kind of like we've become complacent once again as a country, and that's kind of scary. You know, we have to be aware of um, what is going what our what we're doing as a country in other countries you know what our involvement is and and, and the per, per, you know the how we're being perceived on a global scale because I think a lot of times we just um, we're so insulated and we have a pretty good life here and we don't think enough about the repercussions as you said of our actions overseas and you know just being aware i mean because there's other continents as well not just the um iraq war but i mean Africa has some serious issues going on and yeah. you know we're kind of like, well, you know, we can go out and listen to our iPods and, um, you know, drive our cars and use tons of gas. And, you know, people – it's just – I mean, it's really kind of – it's just really sad, you know, that we go about our business and, and just don't pay attention. And so I what drew me to your project um, was just kind of one more way to kind of be conscious about how we're living our lives. And I'm uh, obviously really into arts and crafts, and um, today I actually um, – it was kind of strange, because I, I uh, embroidered Marilyn's name when I was, I'm on vacation from work, and so we, my husband and I decided to take the girls to the beach, and so we drove for about, you know, 45 minutes to Lake Michigan, and, you know, I stitched her name. Um, I, I got almost, you know, almost the whole thing done on the way there, and it seemed kind of strange, that I'm thinking, I'm going to the beach with my family. You know, right. this is a very um, happy thing, you know, to be able to watch my girls play around in the sand, and... Um, those moments that you're so grateful for, you know, those little things you do as a family, and you know, Marilyn can't do that anymore with her family. And I, on one hand, you feel a little guilty because you're like, you know, you're having a good day, you know. And um, there will be people who probably say, "Geez, that's kind of a Dorothy Downer way to spend your vacation." But um, you know, stitching the name of a of a fallen soldier. But I'm glad I did that because I think that it's something that. um it's good to pay attention, you know, and to think about the people who sacrificed their lives. And whether you agree with the war or not, you know, these people are following orders. You know, they're okay. their, their Americans and they're they're following their, this is their mission and they've, they've been told they have to do this, so they're doing it. And, you know, we need to support the people, regardless of how you feel about the war, um, and support the families that have been left behind. So, again, I, I think their project is wonderful because it's one of those peaceful ways to kind of get you know relieve some frustration over the war feel like you're you're doing something and uh while i don't know that george bush will see the tote bag and say you know okay we really have to stop (laughs) um if we send it to laura maybe she could take it around to some libraries or something i don't know um but (laughs) i mean it would be great to think that um You know, people stitching names could stop a war, but, you know, I think it at least makes people aware, and and it does it in a peaceful way. So I applaud you for that and for your efforts. Well,
2: thank you, and thank you for participating yourself.
0: Well, yeah, I just knew that this was one of those things where I knew that, you know, I really wanted to be a part of this because to go through life where if it's not personal, then what's the point? You know, people say, you know, you shouldn't take everything personally. Well, it's like, you know, yeah, in some cases that phrase is true, but I think that people have – I'm so tired of, you know, you go go to work and you have the small talk conversations where people ask you questions and they don't really listen to the answer, you know. I mean, how many times have you gone to, like, a function, you know, like some kind of dinner or – some engagement and there's oh, all this, you don't want to know there's just smoothing that goes on and it makes me sick it's like I want to go around a corner and just put my finger down my throat and just vomit right there because I'm just like this is life is so short and if we can't if it, you can't make personal connections um, I mean I live for those I mean that's I love to connect even if I'm in a grocery store. You know, and the person behind me strike up a conversation, and sometimes you can have very profound conversations with strangers, in fact, I seem to specialize in that, <laughs> you know, and I'd rather do that than sit at a table with people that I know, but i I just don't feel connected to i mean it's it's all superficial i i just and so this project for me was it it kind of goes to that heart of that making it personal because this war is a heck of a lot more personal for me now that I've participated in this project than it was for me. I mean, I wasn't, like, careless about it before, but this is, so now I've started to look at other women's names. So it's not just about Marilyn. It's about, you know, all the other people, the 79 others, you know, and um, I'm afraid that you're right about the fact that the number's going to grow, you know, because we're losing people every day over there. And, um, you know, I just think it's so important to be aware and to be personally connected, I think, is is just, um, you know, it's just a way of going about your business with your eyes open to this so um and i think it's not in the right people think oh how depressing to be stitching the name of a of of a dead person but i i didn't really feel like it was um i I felt like it was good to do this like it was a nice tribute so um i think it'll be really interesting to see what people what the response is when you get your tote pegs assembled and um what do you think where where do you plan to put those after you they've traveled the country and
2: well, they're traveling not only the country, but um, several continents.
0: Oh, awesome.
2: Um, I have stitchers in Australia. I have stitchers in Germany, Denmark, Norway, Brazil, Canada, throughout Canada. Um, so so they have a, these bags have a lot of miles to put on. And if they do make it back to me, and I'm hoping that they will... I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with them yet. Uh, Some people have suggested having an auction to to raise money for um, a related cause of some sort. I haven't decided yet, and I and I'm not rushing into that because there's so much time.
0: Well, there's a lot to do before that, but right. Well, it almost seems like maybe there'd be a way. I don't know. Maybe something will, an opportunity will open to. Have them displayed someplace where the public can continue to see these names.
2: That's possible, and I would like that to happen. And I'm also uh, saving everything that people have sent me all the emails, all the personal notes that come back with the names. Mm-hmm. And I will continue to save all of that correspondence. I'm going to photograph the squares that have come back to me. Many of them have been elaborately embellished with beautiful stitchery, and I'm hoping that there is some sort of um, museum-type display at some point, or perhaps a book, where I can put all of this together for people.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that would be wonderful. And Well, I feel like mine is kind of, I just outlined the, the name, and I did do other people have squares where you can see the the black leather lettering through a little bit? Yes. Okay. Because that does that need that doesn't need to be totally covered.
2: That's yeah, and that's that's fine because that black will eventually fade out a little bit. It probably won't disappear altogether. Mm-hmm. But that's but that's fine. It helps to further define your stitching and the name.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because that's one of the things where you're just kind of like you want to you want to do this right. You know. I know. Yes, I know. Yes. This is one of those things where you're like okay. Uh, yeah I want to make
2: sure I want to do it the right way I, yeah. know, I, I understand the I understand that impulse yeah and
0: it was i, I haven 't done any embroidery in quite a while, and I thought well and i i, I held back from doing any kind of embellishments because i 'm like you know I just want the focus to be on the name, and I know you 're going to cut that part off anyway um, right so but yeah it 's some pressure high pressure embroidery i because <laughs> you just want to make sure i mean this i mean because this is for something so important you want to make sure that you're you know, you're doing everything okay and you don't go overboard or whatever. And you probably felt, I mean, did you feel like just getting all the spellings right and everything, that was a lot of pressure on you, too, to make sure everything's perfect?
2: Yes, yes. and And there were a couple of instances where people pointed out to me that they thought the name might have been spelled wrong. After they started doing some research on the Internet, they found other spellings of the person's first name, for instance, and then they wrote back to me and said, you know, I think we ought to check this, and I'm not going to go ahead and stitch the name until I hear back from you and verify that this is the correct spelling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there were a couple of places where, after doing more research, I, I made a decision that the original source of my information was probably incorrect. Oh, well, that's because good. Because I found more official listings for the person in other places that I knew I could rely upon mm-hmm. for a, a correction so in in any case whether it's a misspelled name or someone is just simply very unhappy with the results of their stitching I'm happy to send them out a new a new square there's no questions asked
0: you said some of them are coming back very elaborate but are you finding that more people are just simply tracing the names or are people doing elaborate things
2: more people are are just stitching the name hmm than adding some stitching to the square of muslin. But there's a fair amount of people who are returning squares where, as I said, some of the stitching, they've added some very elaborate, beautiful, beautiful things that um, I will be incorporating separate from the name. I, as you alluded to, I'm, I plan to keep the names themselves as much the same as possible. Of course, they're all stitched slightly different colors and, and so on, but it is all the names are the same size type and the same font style. So they will have a certain similarity to them. And I will cut away anything extra, any other stitching that people send on their, their um, scrap of muslin, and incorporate those additions into other parts of the bag my bags are um, are layered different layers of fabric and textures and colors and and i do that with stitching with uh, using materials like netting like tulle organza Mm -hmm. things that are somewhat transparent and And I build up layer after layer, and I do a lot of top-stitching, oftentimes uh, cruel work and beading at the very end before the work is finished. So these other elements that people are sending me will be used, and they will be there in in the bag somewhere.
0: Okay. So they'll just be somewhere removed from the name. So other names look uniform for the most part. Right. Okay. Well, I think this is going to be really interesting to see how the bag looks after having so many hands involved, and that just makes it all the more interesting.
2: Well, I'm I'm just hoping that I can live up to everyone's expectations
0: with the bag. I think you're going to do fine. If you're yeah. if you're already so organized that you have spreadsheets and everything else going to keep this organized, I think you're going to be you're going to be fine. Yeah, I mean you've done a great job so far. Very promptly getting fabric out to people and i've been impressed with how things are running so from my perspective it looks like you're you're doing great (laughs) Uh, so if you get off the phone and have a good cry uh, i i we won't know you know (laughs) that's right no one will know no one will know yeah well is there anything else that you want people to know about you or about this project sounds like you know you've been stitching as a poet you put your poetry and onto fabric and um, have you been embroidering things since childhood or when did you get into it
2: um, yeah, I'm entirely self-taught when it comes to any of the crafts that I'm involved in. I uh, I took up knitting and taught myself to knit about six or seven years ago, and I love knitting and I love to crochet. But unfortunately, last year I suffered an injury to my elbow, a, a tendonitis problem, and. That put me into months and months of physical therapy and um, and a threat of surgery, <laughs> which I I wanted to avoid and I have. Mm-hmm. And the the elbow is much better, but it did severely restrict the amount of time that I could spend with knitting and crochet, which had been my major forms of crafting for years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's started me looking at my sewing machine in a whole different way. (laughs) I had, I just, I had to be doing something, Mm -hmm. and it ended up dusting off the, the sewing machine, the old singer, and digging through old boxes in the attic to find whatever fabric scraps I had. And then the real turning point for me was attending the Madrona Fiber Arts. Um, convention in Tacoma in January. It was the second time I had been to that. It's primarily a knitting conference, but they do have people there who are teaching and talking about spinning and other related crafts. And I took a two-day course with a fiber artist by the name of Anita Luvera Meyer. And I have to say that she changed my life. She changed the way I approach my craft in ways that I, I couldn't have imagined before I spent those two days with her. And and one of those those the results was to make me feel free enough to to play with materials in a way that I had not felt that I had permission to Played, mm-hmm. if, if
0: that makes any sense. No, it does. I had an experience with that my last semester of college um, at Central Michigan University. I took a fiber art class and we were encouraged to make samples. I mean, I was, I was ironing plastic bags together at one point. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I was doing things I would not normally have done on my own and while I haven't done any iron plastic bags you know art. I have actually read about people online who've done stuff made actual whole garments out of fabric made from plastic bags ironed together. It's a very stinky process, but but that experience did do the same thing. opened a door, and you know I ended up uh. You know, as soon as I left school, I was kind of you know almost regretting that school was over because I wanted to go sure. back and be an art major. But I ended up uh, taking weaving lessons from a, a master weaver here in West Michigan, and um, ended up buying a floor loom and then a spinning wheel, and then you know it was just all snowballed. But I, you know, <laughs> it and I, snowball. Yeah, it does. And so I have like yarn and fiber coming out of my ears, and you know, and now I talk about it nonstop with this show. But yeah, it absolutely changed my life too because it's once someone opened. Opens the door to this vast world of freedom to make whatever you want with whatever you want. It kind of you're kind of overwhelmed at first. Like you mean I can, I can transfer words on the fabric and then embroider them, <laughs> right? And then you're like, wow, I could like write a whole book on a quilt or something. Yeah, I mean it's it's really exciting. And if only there were more hours in the day, you know. Uh, yes. So I have like bags under my eyes almost all the time <laughs> because I, because it's like okay, I can sleep or I can make something. Sleep or make something. And a lot of times making something. beat sleep sometimes but yeah so i totally understand what you're saying it sounds like had you not had that experience you probably wouldn't be doing
2: this mother's day project i think that's absolutely true i yes that i can say that for a fact
0: yeah and had i not had that experience a similar experience i probably wouldn't be talking to you because my podcast wouldn't even exist you (laughs) know so (laughs) (laughs) So it's really strange how you know some of these experiences can change the course of one's life, and they don't seem that significant really when you're in the midst of it. Um, or actually, maybe they they do, because I know for me, I was kind of like, "Wow, this is really going to be cool," you know? I mean, <laughs> you know. I don't know if you had that experience when you're in your two-day Oh, workshop. I knew. Yeah,
2: I knew. In fact, I you know the people that I was staying with during the conference during those two days. I'm sure we're so tired of hearing me talk about how my life was going to change because I think from the the
0: perspective of the outsiders, like when you're in it and you're like, "Wow, this is really excellent. This is really gonna." I can't wait to get home and try to make stuff. Well, the people around you, meanwhile, are thinking this does not really seem like a life-altering event. You know, (laughs) I mean, I know because I mean, people don't really equate fiber art workshop with, you know changing one's life you know (laughs) so but those of us who are of the artsy crafty mindset we can totally see where a fiber art workshop could totally that's change right. someone's life.
2: That's so right.
0: yeah, and I but I think that's wonderful. You know, these experiences are just wonderful to have. And I know I feel blessed anytime I'm in a scenario where I feel like wow, this is excellent. You know, I'm like high on fiber. You know, it's, right. yeah, it's fantastic. So well, again, I mean, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I can't wait to see what you do next because I think something wonderful will come out of this, and it has to. I mean, because. This is a horrible event, and you've been able to unify people and make them aware. And um, it sounds like you've also brought some comfort to people who have lost loved ones in the war. they seem to be, Those you've heard from seem to be appreciating the fact that people are paying attention and trying to put together a nice tribute for these folks. So you've got to well, feel good I, about that.
2: I hope that's the spirit in which any family members take this project. That's certainly the intention. And, um,
0: Did you have concerns that people might be offended? I, I do.
2: Um, I, I have not brushed over those concerns lightly. But I go back to, in thinking about that, I think about an experience that I had myself after my father died. And I was very close to my father, and, and I was helping my mother uh, write thank you letters to people for, for their notes and for the things that they were doing for the family at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking over a whole stack of um, envelopes where people had, had paid for Catholic Masses to be said in my father's name, wow. which means nothing to me. And in some way, I, I find, I, if I let myself, I could, I could become angry about it
0: mm-hmm.
2: because it's so, it's so foreign to me. But what I had to realize, and I had to, I, I, it's one of those experiences that, again, um, until you're there, until you're sitting there and experiencing this, you don't understand it, but I came to the realization that. My father did not belong to me exclusively. Mm-hmm. He was part of a much larger community. And that community, whether it was his parish, whether it was the guys at the lodge, it, it, they knew him in their own way. Mm-hmm. And they, their actions were meant to give solace to me and to the rest of our family. And that was the spirit in which they were offered, even if it was the type of memorial that I never would choose for someone. That was not important. Mm-hmm. What was important was the spirit in which they were offering this memorial. Mm-hmm. And once I thought about that, it was easy to write those thank you notes because I was genuinely grateful.
0: hmm Right, because people pay tribute in different ways. The way they think feels right to them at the time. And for you, doing this project is what feels right. You
2: it know. feels right. And I know that the spirit behind the project is right, and it is not meant to hurt someone more than they've already been hurt. And I'm hoping through this project to actually bring some peace.
0: hmm well, I hope that that is, you know, I know that's my mindset when I, I chose to participate in this. And it sounds like the other people you have stitching for you are similarly hoping to bring comfort and some peace to a situation that just seems out of our control, you know, because we can't do anything to stop it immediately at this point. So, you know, I think it's it's wonderful what you're doing. And is it okay to just tell people if they're interested to continue to contact you and see what you, oh. you decide to do next? And
2: Yeah, please, please contact me either... My threadingwater, um, dot threadingwater.wordpress.com, or there is a separate website that I have set up specifically for the Mother's Day Project, and it's simply called Project.wordpress.com. Okay. And people can contact me. And please, yes, I'm, as I said, I'm not sure there will be a third bake, but there will be something if there's interest. If people want to be involved, if they want to do some stitching of some kind, there will be more projects, yes.
0: Okay, and all related to the war. Yes. I really appreciate you uh, making the time for me today.
2: And, oh, you're uh, so welcome. I'm so I'm so grateful for any opportunity to talk about this project.
0: Yeah, well, it's a great one, so keep it going. I'm just grateful that I get to be a part of it because I think it's, um, it's it's been a, a good experience um, despite the fact that it's um, – a very sad experience as well, though. I mean, this has been kind of a, with mixed emotions that I got involved in this because I'm like, do I really want to think about this more than I already do? And yeah, it's worth it. It's worth the loss of sleep, you know. As you think about, um, you know, some of the, the people, it just becomes more personal, and it just I think that's it's right. It should be personal. So, yes. so thank you, Anne, uh, for oh, your time and, and thank you. best wishes as your project continues. And uh, I'll be in touch then. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye. My sincere thanks to both Anne and Sherry for sharing their stories with us. I hope all you folks at home found this episode inspiring. If you're upset about the war in Iraq, like so many of us are, try to get involved in a project like Anne's. I know it's hard to imagine how stitching the name of a fallen soldier on a piece of cloth can ease one's mind, but it seemed to have that effect on me. It didn't stop the war but it did empower me to feel like I was doing something that would help ensure that people like Marilyn Gabbard will not be forgotten. Let's figure out a way to craft some peace in this world because everyone on Earth deserves it. Uh, I don't have a contest going this week, but I hope it won't stop you from posting comments about this week's show on the blog. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Mother's Day project and hear about any other war-related projects you might be working on. Anne Landry was kind enough to type up some instructions for transferring text to fabric. So check that out. That's this week's project. So it, it's, and it got me thinking about tons of possibilities of projects that can be done with text. So enjoy that. I'd like to announce the contest winner from the Carol Duvall giveaway. It was it seems like it was eons ago. Terry in Overland Park, Kansas, won a copy of Carol Duvall's new book so we'll get that to you very soon Terry congratulations and just want to mention that I'm still collecting handmade stories so if you have an item that you've made or someone's made for you uh, just a good story about something ha- handmade I'd love to hear it so you can send me a little email telling me brief what your story is about or if you've written it up send it along if you've written it like an essay because what I'm doing, i kind of collecting these because I want to start a series called Handmade Stories where I will be posting pictures of the items and have like a page where you'll be able to click on an item and then hear the story. Working on this two ways. Uh, one is you can write an essay and read it or you can tell me your story and then I can do kind of like a, a mini interview with you about the item and we can kind of, I can help you kind of tell your story. And if you've contacted me about a story and I haven't gotten back to you, don't feel like I'm ignoring you. I've just had quite a bit of stuff going on. So I will, I will not forget. I'm setting up a separate folder on my computer so anyone who sends me these stories can put the information in the folder. And if you, it seems like a really long time and you still haven't heard from me, feel free to email me again. I can definitely use reminders, so don't feel bad about that. So everyone, uh, enjoy your week, and I'll be back very soon with another episode of Craft Sanity. And if you want to stick around in the after show, I do have a few things I'm going to be talking about, but I'm going to keep it brief. So everyone, go out there, have some fun, and no matter what, don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me.
2: Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer
4: Ackerman-Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store.
2: Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback, email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.
1: Okay, I just have a very short after show this week. I wanted to let you guys know that I was able to get an interview with Lily Chin. We talked recently and she is so fun and a great interview so I can't wait to bring you that show coming up it'll be a couple episodes away oh I also wanted to let you know that I bought a new loom which I mean this one's small compared to my other ones I went to Fiber Fest in Allegan County over the weekend and took the kids and my husband who's Jeff was a great sport about this he you know a man loves you when he comes to Fiber Fest and he doesn't like yarn or weaving or spinning or knitting or any of that stuff. But um, I have uh, a triangle loom from Hill Creek Fiber Studio that's a really cool place in Columbia, Missouri, and I ordered my triangle loom quite a while ago, um, I'd say years ago. I wanna, I've lost track of how many years, but it's been several and, um, they're making these little portable like rectangle looms now, and I wanted the big giant square loom, but I've promised my husband that until I clean up my craft room and kind of get the craft supplies all like drain them from the rest of the house and have everything tucked away very neatly in my craft room um there will be no other major loom purchases, so <laughs> this will tide me over, but it's really pretty cool, and I'll put a picture on the blog and um show you what. I did as my first little sample piece. And, uh, but that was really fun. And for those looking, it's a continuous warp, so you don't have, you don't have um, any waste when you do, weave on these looms. It's basically a rectangle shape with a bunch of nails in it, and uh, I had a great time working on that. It's been a while since I've been weaving, so that was really fun. Um, I'm still training for this marathon. Well, because I have to, because it's coming up in October and uh, ran 18 miles on a treadmill yesterday, which I really don't really recommend, um, running that far on a treadmill, but, um, my feet were getting a little sore from the pounding on the pavement. So I decided to kind of make it a little easier on myself and it turned out to be a smart thing to do. And, uh, boy, but I can tell you sitting down today, a bit challenging. Um, (laughs) but, um, I'm still in it and, uh, thinking at this point, I think I've crossed that mental block where I really believe I can do this. And um, there was some doubt at times. You know, you wake up and you're like, I don't want to run. But then you do. So anyway, I'm still going on that. And um, I'm going to get going to work now. Uh, You guys just uh, have a great week or hopefully just a week until I see you again or talk to you again. And of course, I'll say it again. Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me.